the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A crackdown by Iran's leaders on street protests leaves at least 92 civilians dead. For the Islamic Republic, the murder of Mahsa Amini is becoming a tipping point. Former President Trump will sue CNN for defamation. I think he wants to persuade them, push them, scare them a little bit. Home prices see the largest decline since 2009. We are definitely seeing a deceleration in appreciation. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, October 4th. I'm Mike Scott. In Iran, the ongoing protests that were sparked by the death of a 22-year-old at the hands of the so-called morality police there continued unabated, resulting in the alleged death of 92 civilians at the hands of Iranian police. Despite an ever-increasing death toll and a fierce crackdown by security forces using tear gas, clubs, and in some cases, live ammunition, protests continue to gather momentum amongst Iranians over the death of young Iranian woman Massa Armini while in police custody. Riot police clashed with protesters in dozens of cities on Tuesday, according to state media and social media platforms. Videos posted on social media showed protesters calling for the fall of the clerical establishment. Globally, momentum has not wavered. Rallies have been held continuously over the last week, from New York to Buenos Aires, Syria and here in Athens. Amnesty International tweeted that Iran's security forces have responded to the protests with unlawful force, including by using live ammunition, birdshot and other metal pellets, killing dozens of people and injuring hundreds of others. According to reports, the young woman was visiting the capital September 13th when she was arrested by morality police officers, accusing her of violating the law that requires women to cover their hair with a hijab or headscarf, and their arms and legs with loose clothing. The report says she collapsed after being taken to a detention center. An Iranian journalist and women's rights activist says the protest seemed to be a tipping point for Iran. For millions of Iranian people right now, the brutal death of Mahsa Amini is becoming a turning point. But for the Islamic Republic, the murder of Mahsa Amini is becoming a tipping point because compulsory hijab is not just a small piece of cloth. It's like the Berlin Wall. And if Iranian women manage to tear this wall down, the Islamic Republic won't exist. Saeed Golkar, an Iranian writer and lecturer, believes that Americans should support the Iranian people like they support the Ukrainians because, like Ukrainians, the Iranian people are fighting for their rights. The entire world, and especially the people who are living in democratic society, should 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 uh, remember that we are fighting uh, in a one battle 
in liberalism, liberal democracy against authoritarianism. Iranians are part of this you know, fight. You cannot leave them alone. You have to support them as you are supporting Ukraine completely, rightly, and with all you have. You have to support the Iranian people. They are demanding their basic right. And if you believe to the human right, if you believe to the liberal values, you have to believe it for everybody else. Meanwhile, reports suggest that Iran was now subject to the most severe Internet restrictions seen since mass anti-government protests erupted in November of 2019. The report goes on to detail that cell phone networks were largely shut down. Internet service was also disrupted during the protest. Access to Instagram and WhatsApp were also being restricted. Turning to the war in Ukraine, Kyiv's forces seem to make even more gains on Monday, reclaiming more territory and putting even more pressure on Russian President Vladimir Putin. It comes as the Kremlin is facing growing domestic unease over the state of its own struggling military and the chaotic efforts to reinforcement. Putin has vowed to use all available means to defend Ukrainian territory that was illegally annexed, which seemed to be an implied threat of nuclear war. General David Petraeus says that Putin has put himself into a situation he will not be able to get out of. He faces a situation that I think, again, is irreversible. There is no amount of shambolic mobilization, which is the only way to describe it, no amount of annexation, no amount of even veiled nuclear threats uh, can actually get him out of this particular situation. He announced the annexation, and he's already lost a really critical uh, element in that, a critical city that would have been a very key supply hub had they been able to go farther. And that's just going to continue. He's going to continue to lose on the battlefield, Uh, And at some point, there's going to have to be recognition of that. At some point, there's going to have to be some kind of beginning of negotiations, as President Zelensky has said, will be the ultimate end. And at some point, by the way, as well, I strongly agree uh, with the idea of Ukraine becoming part of NATO, although, as Senator Rubio noted, let's make sure that the battlefield goes well first. Petraeus goes on to describe what he believes would happen should Putin resort to a tactical nuclear strike. You have to take that seriously. And Jake Sullivan has publicly stated that the U.S. has communicated to Russia what would happen uh, in response to that. And what would happen? Well, again, I have deliberately not talked to Jake about this. I mean, just to give you a hypothetical, um, we would respond by leading a NATO, a collective effort, that would take out every Russian conventional force that we can see and identify on the battlefield in Ukraine and also in Crimea and every ship on the, in the Black Sea fleet. So it would bring America and NATO into the war. I it, mean, it, it would it, be an Article 5 situation, it, it, basically. I, not an Article 5 because they're not part of NATO, but well, the, it, would the, be, it would be a U.S. and NATO response to something that is absolutely... I mean, the argument made the radiation would, would, would <clears throat> extend into NATO countries. It effectively would be an attack on... On NATO. Yeah, and perhaps you can make that case. The other case is that this is so horrific that there has to be a response. It cannot go unanswered. Late Monday, reports emerged that North Korea had allegedly fired what appears to be a ballistic missile over Japan. Details are still emerging, but the government of South Korea confirmed the Japanese government warned citizens to take shelter and air raid sirens 
blue. The missile likely flew over Japan, but it is still unknown whether the missile fell into the sea. We're following breaking news in Japan. The Japanese government warning people to shelter in place after North Korea launched a ballistic missile. There was concern the missile was heading towards Japan in the direction of the Amori and Hokkaido prefectures, but the prime minister's office just issued a statement a few minutes ago saying it appears the missile likely flew over Japan and headed into the Pacific Ocean. They are still checking on the fate of the missile, and NHK is reporting that debris may still fall on land. On Monday, former President Donald Trump filed a defamation lawsuit against CNN, asking for damages in excess of $75,000 and punitive damages of $475 million. According to the suit, the former president's team alleges that the cable news giant has harmed his reputation with false defamatory and inflammatory mischaracterizations of him, and that CNN intended to interfere with his political career. The lawsuit goes on to say, in part, quote, CNN's campaign of dissuasion in the form of libel and slander against Trump has only escalated in recent months as CNN fears he will run for president in 2024, end quote. Floyd Abrams is a First Amendment attorney and host of Speak Freely and joined News Nation to comment and said that the First Amendment may largely protect CNN. Look, we live in a country which protects more than anything the expression of opinion, the expression of what people think about other people, especially if they're running for office, especially plus if they're running for president or have been president. So we, you know, we start with a, a very broad commitment to free speech and to speaking out even in extravagant, even over-the-top terms. That doesn't mean there can never be a libel suit, but it would really, really have to be beyond anything he's talking about. Abrams goes on to suggest that, in his opinion, Trump and his team may have filed the suit in order to get the network to back off their constant criticism of him. I think he wants to persuade them, push them, scare them a little bit to lay off, uh, or at least not to come down as hard on him uh, as they do, and they do. The Supreme Court on Monday declined to hear a challenge from 10 states over President Biden's COVID-19 vaccine mandate for health care workers in facilities that receive federal funding. Daybreak Insider Congressional Correspondent Bernie Bennett joins us with more on this story. The high court blocked the enforcement of a vaccine or testing mandate for large employers in January, but permitted a vaccine mandate to remain in place at health care facilities that receive federal funding through Medicare and Medicaid. Missouri challenged the mandate, along with nine other states that are mostly Republican-led. The states argued that the mandate violates the Administrative Procedure Act and is, quote, now devastating small, rural, and community-based health care facilities and systems throughout the states because of a worker shortage that arose because some health care workers declined to receive the vaccine. The St. Louis-based U.S. Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit sided with the Biden administration. Bernie Bennett reporting. Turning to the ongoing border crisis, Three checkpoints at the Tucson-Arizona border are closed. 
Those checkpoints are closed in the wake of three major fentanyl drug busts that have occurred in the area. The busts were able to take in nearly 540,000 pills and keep them off the streets over the last week alone. According to local reports, the drugs were smuggled inside a vehicle through federal Border Patrol checkpoints. Local officials state that the checkpoints where agents generally stop each car have been closed for more than a year. Local experts tell the Salem Radio Network that parents are especially concerned about the new rainbow fentanyl making its way across the border, something that could easily be used to poison children. If you're in Arizona or Nevada or Texas, it's a a number one issue. I think people are horrified that the Biden administration has let the border be unsecure. And the big issue I think people are talking about is the drugs. The fear of illegal drugs is driving much of the concern over President Biden's lax border policy. Everyone I know or everyone I talk to has come across somebody who's been impacted by this fentanyl crisis that is ravaging our country right now. And especially this new rainbow fentanyl has a lot of parents concerned. At the end of August, 35 agents from the Tucson sector were relocated to the Del Rio sector to help with processing amid an influx of migrants in Eagle Pass, Texas. Home prices in the U.S. have taken a turn and are now posting the biggest monthly declines since 2009. Median home prices dropped nearly a full percentage point in August from a month earlier, following a 1% drop in July. The news is leading some housing experts to believe that the housing market is losing steam fast, with skyrocketing mortgage rates driving affordability to the lowest level since the 1980s. Kirsten Jordan is a real estate advisor with Douglas Elliman and joined Fox News. We are definitely seeing a deceleration in appreciation, and I think that's the best way to frame this. There was such rapid appreciation for the last couple of years, especially in markets that are actually the traditional markets that saw the most rapid appreciation 10 years ago. The same markets saw the 20, 30, 40 percent increases. And in those markets specifically, I think it's not a surprise that we're seeing deceleration and then depreciation. However, there is still a lot of experts that say that we're still going to see some appreciation over the next year because of the fact that there's going to still be scarcity. Jordan also says that buyers need to be hyper-vigilant about the micro-market they are seeking to buy their homes in as this trend may last a few years. The buyers that I'm working with, I am coaching them to be very, very knowledgeable about their micro-market. Every single conversation about real estate needs to be based in facts around where you're actually buying. It's very difficult to talk about the way that Fort Myers relates to New York City. New York City, we didn't see the same kind of appreciation across the board that other markets saw. We saw tremendous appreciation in the luxury market where stuff was really turnkey, where product was really turnkey, Mm -hmm. whereas the rest of the market didn't get to see that. It wasn't, a, you know, the tide didn't raise every single boat. And that's what I'm telling my buyers. The most important thing is to understand what you're really looking at, because this is a long-term hold. It's not about trying to time the market. It's about knowing what you, the value is of what you personally can buy that fits with your lifestyle that's sustainable for hopefully five to ten years. Well, and, of- and it's not just buyers who are stepping away from the ever-cooling market. The doubling of rates has disincentivized would-be sellers 
who are giving up on the historically low interest rates that are going away. Home sales were on the rise from May to July, but stalled in August. A big drop in car sales may be looming as consumers are becoming more cautious about that part of the economy. Daybreak Insider's Bill Alexander has more on the developing numbers. General Motors outsold Japanese automaker Toyota in the United States in the third quarter, but some analysts and investors are predicting a drop in car sales. A shortage of cars due to supply disruptions combined with preference for personal transport has seen consumers willing to pay more money. But analysts now warn demand may lose steam in the coming quarters as rising interest rates discourage consumers from paying more money for cars and trucks in the coming months. Finally, Shaheen Littlefeather, a Native American activist who, in 1973, was sent to the Academy Awards to decline the lead actor Oscar, meant for Marlon Brando for his role in The Godfather, died on Sunday. In one of the most famous moments in Oscar history, Littlefeather took to the stage on March 27th of 1973, after Brando's name was read as the winner. Wearing a fringed buckskin dress and moccasins, Littlefeather refused to take the Oscar and instead offered Brando's regrets, explaining he would not accept the Oscar because of Hollywood's mistreatment of Native Americans. He very regretfully cannot accept this very generous award. And the reasons for this being are the treatment of American Indians today by the film industry, excuse me, after the uproar her speech caused, she was interviewed later and explained why it was important for her to speak up for the treatment of Native Americans. We are portrayed as, as ignorant uh, savages, uh, uh, most definitely in most of the films mm-hmm. past and still at present. and. Uh, our image has been one of a drunk or, or, or one of a, of a lesser secondary citizen. And I feel that, you know, to that audience that night, that I wanted to tell them that we did have this stereotype mm-hmm. and uh, that they were going to in some way have to open up their minds and their hearts. Many years later, Little Feather reflected on her impact and said that she didn't believe that what she was doing was activism. I just did things that were courageous that I thought that I had to do. And that developed character. After what transpired at the Oscars in 1973, Brando was asked in an interview if he regretted his choice and instead... The actor said he was proud of Little Feather. There was an opportunity for, since the American Indian hasn't been able to hear his voice heard, or have his voice heard, anywhere in the history of the United States, uh, I felt that it was a marvelous opportunity for an Indian to be able to voice his opinion to 85 million people. I guess that was the number. And uh, I felt that he had a right to in view of what Hollywood has done to him. And uh, I was 
embarrassed for Shashin. She wasn't able to say what she intended to say. And uh, I was distressed that people should have booed and whistled and stomped, even though perhaps it was directed uh, at myself. They should have at least had the courtesy to listen to her. But uh, I think she did very well, and I was, uh, I was, I was very glad that she did have what opportunity she, she had to, to say what she did. Little Feather's family confirmed her death, saying she died peacefully, surrounded by loved ones at her Marin County home. Family said the cause was breast cancer. Shaheen Littlefeather was 75. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.